and welcome to another special episode of the Family Beast Podcast. My name is Jake and I'm here with Kent. Kent, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit so people hearing or watching get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, my name's Kent Bass. I right now live in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, but I'm originally from Southern Illinois. So grew up down kind of close to where Missouri and Indiana, Kentucky and Illinois all I'll meet so down there way south and um but been out in north carolina for uh, about 10 years now and i currently serve as a as a counseling pastor at imago day church in raleigh north carolina and married uh, my wife's name is hope and we've got we've got four kiddos uh, silas anna grace and asa who's three months old so got a lot of fun in the house yeah yeah as we're just saying uh three month old while homeschooling is uh it's something else so again props to wife for doing that super mom for sure um so i i knew the southern illinois thing uh for sure but how does that so you're a cardinals fan how does that and obviously geographically it's close but how does that come to be how did you become a cardinals fan yeah uh, um, I guess I guess born into it. You know, my dad my dad's a Cardinals fan, and so um, I'm not. I don't know if I've ever asked him how how he became a, a Cardinals fan. Uh, but yeah, where I grew up is only about two two and a half hours from from St. Louis, and so definitely a, a, a shorter drive than the six plus to get to Chicago. So, but my mom right. is from Chicago, and she kind of grew up in in Cubby Land, but uh, was never a, was never a big enough of a of a sports fan to like really embrace that and so when she married my dad it was it was not hard for for her allegiance to to shift because his his fandom was was much was much greater than hers so yeah so that might be interesting because i know how my dad became a fan but maybe that'd be just a further on conversation with your dad just asking that that question but um Seems to be that kind of is a pattern with people just kind of inheriting. Mm-hmm. And then also, also the geography doesn't hurt. But um, yeah. So there was never a time when you were interested in some other team. No, I've, I've always been for as long as I can remember. Yeah, we I mean, I think the my first experience of the Cardinals was uh, I remember being at a game when I was little, like probably even less than kindergarten, you know, maybe like three or four. I remember going to the first game. And so, um, so yeah, it's always been, always been Cardinals in, in our house and um, never, never kind of like interested in terms of being a fan of, of other teams it was always pretty, pretty St. Louis focused. So, so I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but so with your family, are, are you planning on passing down Payton? Because I know there in North Carolina, there's no pro baseball team, but yeah. are you planning on passing that down in some way? Yeah, I, uh, it kind of has already happened. We didn't really try, but uh, I guess just as, as we've, my wife loves baseball too, and so she kind of inherited, she grew up in Virginia. So uh, mm. before before the Nats, you know, were, were in D.C., uh, so she didn't really have like a like a baseball team, and so when we got married, she she kind of latched onto the Cardinals, and she's a huge she's a huge baseball fan now. Um, but mm. I think just an hour following and watching uh, our eight year old son uh, 
has become a huge a huge baseball fan and a huge Cardinals fan. So we didn't really try. You know, we didn't kind of say like, hey, you're going to be a Cardinals fan or whatever. Um, but uh, so he's kind of embraced uh, St. Louis Cardinals. But yeah, being in North Carolina, he also likes to know what are the sports teams kind of in North Carolina. And so he, uh, from a football standpoint, like he likes to cheer for the for the Panthers and, and because they're like a home home state team. So he's kind of got strong. He's kind of got this strong geographical kind of impulse, like. If there are two teams playing in a in a random sport that we're watching on TV, he'll say which one's closest to us, and so I'll say yeah. this one, and then he's like, okay, that's who I want to win. So he kind of yeah. likes the idea of, of geography. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Um, but no, so was so you talked about going to a game like before kindergarten. Is that your earliest memory of the Cardinals, or was they even? We don't have a lot of memories really before yeah. four or five, but is that your earliest memory? Is going yeah, I to think game? so. I, I, I think I think being at a game, I think I remember kind of what that what that felt like and what that looked like uh, before even following them on TV or having you know baseball cards or, or hats or shirts or whatever. So yeah, I I have this I have this memory of of kind of being in the stadium and what it looked like and felt like the first time and and you know I mean. I grew up in a small town, 4,500 people. And so I, I remember, you know, walking into that stadium and, you know, 40,000 people. And it was just like, this is, this is big, you know? So and it still, it yeah. still feels big when I walk into a stadium. So, you know. So I kind of off topic side note, but when was the last time you were at, so I know you're a ways away, but when was the last time you were at a Cardinals game? Yeah, I, I think it was, um, it was definitely before I was, uh, my wife and I got married. So we've mm. had our 12th anniversary. And so I don't think I've been to a game since like maybe 2009, 2008, 2009. I remember uh, we were either, I think we might've been engaged. So it was probably 2009. Uh, she was out visiting, you know, family in the Midwest and we went up to St. Louis and a bunch of us went and saw a game. So yeah, it's been mm. like maybe... 13 years so yeah but i have i have seen them in person i went to a, a nationals game uh oh, about yeah. nine years ago uh nine or nine years ago or so and so we saw them play in dc uh but it's been it's been a while so it's been a, a minute um yeah. i mean i can't say that i've been to a cups game recently but either way um and now being in california it really doesn't help with the community but <laughs> But with the new schedule of every team plays yeah. every team in the league, the Cubs, yeah. again, I promised I wouldn't do it, but the Cubs are kind of going to play in San Diego and they're playing both the LA teams. So it gives me a chance yeah. every year or something. So yeah, that new schedule that. is, that new schedule is benefiting you in a, in a, in a good way. So, right. Oh, yeah. it just seems like it was just, Given as a gift, so I'm saying meant to be, um, meant to be, yeah. But uh, so I'm, we talked talked about Earthy's memory, but what I know the Cardinals have eleven World Series titles, which again, as a Cubs fan, that's hard. But <laughs> you've had eleven World Series titles, uh, plenty of other like pennant wins, um, tons of division titles but what would you say is 
kind of in your fandom the kind of highlight or like the moment that stands out uh either growing up or recently what is something that stands out as a memory that you will have or that you do have right now yeah it's a good question um, I mean, I, I remember uh, I was in college in 2006 when they won the World Series. So I was yeah. you know, born in 85. Uh, and so, you know, the 90s were not a great decade for, for the Cardinals. Um, you know, 96 is still, I remember 96 is still painful. Up, I believe it was 96, up three games to one in the NLCS on the Braves. And the Braves, you know, they threw, they threw Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz at us. And, and boom, 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 yeah. three straight wins, yeah. and, and we're done. So that was, that was like my earliest kind of painful baseball memory was like, you know, I'm like oh, here we are on the verge of, of going to the World Series. And, yeah. And those, those, those Braves. Uh, well, what's say, a, good, a good memory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, uh, two, so two stand out. One, like I said, was 2006, like, the, you know, the first time the Carls were in the World Series that in, yeah. in my lifetime and, and watching that in, in college and – had a project projector kind of up on the wall of the college house that we lived in. And so that was, that was kind of fun to, to experience that. And, um, you know, Wainwright, uh, striking out in the NLCS, striking out Carl Beltran to end it. And then, uh, and then striking out Brandon edge in the world series to end it. So that, that was, that was awesome. And then I think in 2011, uh, I think it was whatever game it was, maybe game three or game four when pool hit three home runs against the Rangers. I remember yeah. kind of where I was in, in the house that uh, my wife and I were, were, uh, had been married for a little over a year and, and she had gone to bed, uh, because I think the game, the game was in Texas. So, you know, it was a little bit later for us start time. So she'd gone to bed and I kept, I kept like running, like I was like a little kid, man. I was like running back, like waking her up, like he hit another one, you know? And so I remember, yeah. uh, I remember that was a pretty, a pretty fun moment to, uh, to experience mm-hmm. and, and watch that. So. Yeah. I would, uh, I mean, winning a World Series, I, I've been graced enough to experience it. But so that's always great. But uh, there's certain memories. I would, have, if I was a Cardinals fan again, which I'm not, the home run <laughs> that still, Albert, there's still room. There's time. You can come on over. Uh, I mean, we'll get to a we'll get to this question later, but. The Cubs would have to really do something to make me not follow. Um, but the two members that kind of stick out as a Cubs fan of the uh, Cardinals franchise is just for some reason, Albert Pujols hitting that home run in Min Maid Park, where it seemed like the ball was like shot into space. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then going off I, Brad Lidge, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he was good at that time, and his career rarely went down. Um, yeah. But now the the other one is the uh, 2011 World Series because I was in college in Missouri, and it was like packed. It was shown pretty much in all the dorms and all the whatever all places. But I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. The third baseman that year was Adam Freeze. Dave, David Freeze, yeah. David. David. Yeah. Close. All right, so David oh, Freeze. You, you, sh- you shouldn't have to know that, yeah. Well, I should know that because he w- actually went to my alma mater. So oh. there sh- I should know something, but it's all right. I mean, I know Max Scherzer went there, so I won't get too much crap for that. Um <laughs> 
But I mean, you guys have had tons of memories, so I don't like put it past you. I have to look to the games in '98, so we're not yeah. getting there. But yeah, a qu- a question uh, is: as a as a young kid growing up as a Cardinals fan, uh, who was your favorite player? Yeah, why relate? Yeah. Um... The why question is harder to answer. I don't, I don't know if I know why, uh, but I, the first player I remember enjoying watching was kind of the tail end of his Cardinals career was Willie McGee. Uh, I loved, I loved the big Willie fan. Um, you know, obviously like in the nineties, you know, uh, Ozzy was, was kind of like coming like toward the end of his career. And so like it was, it, he was, he was always a, a fan favorite, but I really loved Willie McGee. Uh, I loved kind of how, he just did things in like a weird, awkward way, but he was still really effective and, and good. Like right. he, he did not have a batting stance or batting style you would teach anyone and, and kind of played like an awkward outfield, but he was, I mean, he was good. Like, you know, he's a great player. Uh, so it kind of started with Willie and then uh, more into the nineties when I really started following closely and I got a little older, uh, it became Brian Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. I loved, I loved his uh, power speed kind of combination. You know, he, he also was, was playing in the NFL a little bit at that time. So he was, he was strong. He was fast. He played the outfield. Uh, so I really liked, uh, liked the way he played. So I guess that would be why, but I can't, I can't really pinpoint like why did they become my favorite? But as I reflect back now, I'm like, maybe this is what yeah. I, what I liked about him. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, I wouldn't, I would say that would be kind of the individuals I would suspect, but, not bad by any means. Um, yeah. So those are your favorite players then. So now when you look at this team this year, who's your favorite player to watch like this year that people can turn on their TVs and see right yeah. now? Yeah, great question. That's, that one's almost harder, I feel like, because I follow so much more closely now. Mm, uh, mm. And I've got, a, I've got a couple guys up at the top. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with um, – I'm going to go with Wayne Wright. Hmm. Because I, uh, I, I really appreciate the way uh, he is. He's obviously super competitive and still and still really good, but he's really good in a way that I think is different than other guys who are really good. Where the talent is is kind of upper echelon for him. It's like you know he doesn't throw super hard. Uh, he's still got a good curveball, but like he's uh, I think he just maximizes uh, all of his talent in a way that. No, clearly not a lot of other pitchers do when they're 41, you know, like there's not that many guys pitching at 41. And so I, I really right. appreciate uh, the attention to detail and his competitiveness. And um, you really see kind of where, where maybe like the talent level has fallen off. Um, he's certainly not throwing as hard or as sharp as he did when he first came up in, in 2006. Uh, but he's still good and effective. And I think it's just kind of, I think it's one of the reasons why I like baseball is because you can see talent and skill is not necessarily so closely related to athleticism like mm-hmm. in a lot of other sports, uh, which, you know, kind of gives me like something relatable. You know, it's like I, mm. I, I can't I couldn't play professional sports, but like there's a way in which, you know, hard work, hard work can, can kind of still pay off. And, and uh, yeah. so, yeah, I, I really I really like that about him. Yeah. Um, so you're not seeing Albert Pujols. I, I know it's his last year, but you're not seeing him. 
No, like I, I mean, it's it's been fun to have him back. Like I'm glad I'm glad he came back. Uh, but um, it's been a fun storyline. But yeah, I think if you if you make me pick, I'm gonna pick Wainwright. So okay. No, I mean that's fair. Uh, by chance, did you see his? He was mic'd up before he played the game recently. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, Wainwright. Yeah, yeah, his whole pregame routine that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'd love um, as someone who was super superstitious, the idea of someone of that caliber. Uh, teaching younger guys the way to go about routine versus superstition. I thought that was great. Um, And him, him, Yadi, uh, Yadi and Marlena and Albert Pujols were leading the team, I think, is really uh, a fun fun thing this year. Yeah, it's been great. But but as a general, but just maybe, it seems like a, a weird question to ask, but I've thought about this as far as the Cardinals are shaped, like their team structure. Um, what are your thoughts about how they're structured right now as a team? Because when I see it, I see young players who haven't been in the postseason much, and but then you also have these old veterans. What do you think of the team structure as it is right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I think there's a good there's a good mix. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of value in having guys who have been there before who can kind of create expectations and, and set expectations for for younger players who haven't experienced that. You can kind of you know teach them what to look out for as as you know playoffs get closer and you're coming down the, to the end of the season and how to prepare yourself and you know certain patterns of thinking maybe to avoid that aren't helpful and can be distracting so i think there's always value in having you know veteran players who have have been there before but um you know what i i love the the mix of of youth and i think just as an organization you know one of the things i love about the cardinals is they clearly they clearly maximize talent you know they they haven't picked toward the top of the draft in a long time and so they're not coming out with top 10 draft picks but they continue to get the most i think they're their player development, you know, kind of staff is, is obviously done a fantastic job because they're taking, you know, fifth and sixth and seventh and 10th and 12th round players. And, and, you know, not, not a lot of percentage wise 12th round guys are, are having major league careers. And it seems like every year the Cardinals are, you know, bringing up a guy from double A AA or triple A who was drafted in the seventh round or eighth round. And they were never right. a top 100 prospect, but you know, they, they're maximizing kind of talent. And so, um, so yeah, I like the, I like the way their rosters is kind of built and structured right now. I, you know, they, I think they've done a great job too um, with their minor league with their minor league development because for the first time in in a while they've got you know six or seven guys in the top 100, which they just I, I can't remember the last time the Cardinals had you know six or seven top 100 prospects, and so uh, they're clearly doing something right in terms of their drafting but also in their developing so i think i think they've got a good mix at the at the major league level right now with with kind of veterans and young guys yeah i mean the the, as i go around the diamond the diamond and i think about their players and pitching is one thing but their position players like uh tyler o'neill dylan carlson uh, new bar is it new bar? I feel like I'm most messing that up. Is it new bar? New bar, yeah. All right, sounds like a granola bar. So, new bar, uh, Edmund, um, 
and uh, even Gordon plays second base, even though he's not a second baseman. And then you have yeah. Arenado and Goldschmidt, who are the exceptions to the young guy, old guy role in St. Yeah. Louis. Um, but yeah, so uh, but of all of all those young players on the team right now, who would you say has the what one player has the most upside? Um, right now, that's yeah. on the team. I I think I think the most upside uh, to me would be Tyler O'Neill, simply because when healthy, he's a guy that can hit thirty home runs and steal twenty bases, and he's already won two Gold Gloves. And so I think in terms, you know, the when healthy part's been been the issue because he's definitely struggled with with injury. But I think yeah, in terms of the highest ceiling, you got a guy who can who can who can hit 30 plus home runs, steal 20 plus bases and play gold glove caliber outfield. I think it's pretty hard to beat that for a, for a ceiling. So uh, I think, yeah. I think he's got, yeah, the, the highest upside, but I don't know if he's highest, highest ceiling. I don't know if he has the highest floor because of the injuries. Mm. And so I'd say, I would say the other guy that I would maybe insert in there would be uh, pro- probably Tommy Edmond uh, mm. because of his, his defensive uh, versatility. And, and I think he's shown a better job this year of being able to get on base. Like his, his on base percentage last year was not very good, but he's getting on base at a little bit better clip. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a 300 hitter, but I think he can hit 260, 270 and get on base, you know, at a, at a 350 clip. And then he's, you know, clearly played gold glove caliber defense now at two different positions at second and at shortstop. And so he can, he can play second, he can play short, he can play third, he can play a corner outfield spot. So I think his floor is higher because he's going to be on the field more. But I think if, if everything's equal and everyone's healthy, I think O'Neill provides the most, the most upside. So. Well, he, he definitely provides the most upside when it comes to bodybuilding. Um, <laughs> for sure. He feels out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you didn't mention Carlson. I, I just thought about the conversation we had a couple weeks ago about Carlson possibly being involved in Again, hypothetical trade yeah. package for Juan Soto. So if if Carlson and some of your prospects are not um, ha- going to be the individuals with the most upside, what are your thoughts about the Cardinals if they were even possibly getting or trying to go after Soto? Yeah. Is Carlson worth? holding on to even if he doesn't have the most upside yeah that's a good question uh i think because it wouldn't just be carlson it would be carlson in addition to the others then that's why i say it's probably it's probably not worth it you know however however much soto's worth in two and a half years uh it's it's significant but uh if you take the five years of control you have with carlson and the you know the six years of control you have with other players in the minor leagues and you combine that, you know, you combine that production together, like it, it's probably going to outproduce the two years that Soto gives you by himself. And I think, you know, more than more than other sports, baseball is such a team sport that you need all those pieces. Uh, I think the Angels are a great example of that. Like they've had Mike Trout for how long? You know, now they've had Otani and like they can't get to the playoffs, you know. So so I, I think Carlson has high upside. I think he's going to be really good. Um, you know, you, you made me pick one player, so I had to, I had to pick one. Uh, right, but, uh, right. <laughs> but no, that's I, the I point. 
<laughs> it's not a fair exercise, man. I gotta have, I gotta have choices. Uh, no, yeah. but I, I do think he's, I think he's got high upside, and I think he's gonna be a good, a good major league player. And, and I think he already has been. I, I, it seems like he's been around for a while because he debuted in 2020, but he's only 23, I think. So, I mean, he's, yeah. he's still not even hitting. He's still not even hitting the prime of his prime. And so, I think there's there's a lot to be excited about as Cardinals fan. I mean, also in fairness, Monsello is 24. So, uh, yeah, 20, 23, 24. He's he's in- young too. But I think the Cardinals weren't going to extend him. The Cardinals are not shelling out 500 million dollar deals. And so, at best, you're getting him two and a half years. I think so. Yeah. Genuine question, and I'm sure that, like when you're not in the the front office, but it's like a practice for the Cardinals to not sign big deals for either young players or star players who just had their like peak. Um, why is that? It seems like the Cardinals could do that, like. As an example, Aaron Judge is coming off. We'll get to him in a second, but like he's coming off, and he will come off a incredible year. And the Cardinals, if they wanted to, if they were willing to pay, like could put him in a shorter deal for higher AAV. Yeah, but it's why wouldn't the why don't the Cardinals do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not in those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> um, why why uh, do you think yeah that's a better question uh well you know they they went after stanton a few years ago and they were willing to take on stanton's contract and so i think they've and they they tried to sign david price and they knew that was going to be a big free agent deal so I, I think they've shown a willingness to at least kick the tires on things i i think though again from my perspective as a fan it seems like the organizational philosophy is not to get hamstrung with a contract that doesn't allow you to add pieces as necessary. And so because there's such a kind of build from within and from, and from the minor leagues and um, that you need all those pieces to kind of put together a roster that can be competitive. And so I actually appreciate that as a fan, knowing that the Cardinals aren't going to sell the farm probably and go for it. Uh, But what they're going to do is they're going to put a team on the field that, that can, compete for a playoff spot and potentially, you know, even, even getting further down the playoffs almost every year. I mean, I, I think they've had one losing season in the last 20 years. And so oh, I, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that as a fan, you know, uh, where yeah. spring yeah, training rolls around, <laughs> you're waving me off uh, as a fan, you know, hope, hope springs eternal in spring training, but that's a false hope for a lot of teams. But I feel like for, as a Cardinals fan, like that's a legitimate hope that like, yeah, this should be a team that competes for the playoffs. And so I, I like that there's not a sell off the farm for the sake of going for it so that we can have competitive teams every year. I do have to say that what you just said felt like an attack. Like it's a false, <laughs> a false hope. Um, but I'll, I'll let it pass. All right. So um, we, we briefly mentioned our Arenado and Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt might, he probably won't, but he might win the Triple Crown this year. Arenado will win a Gold Glove. But in your mind, I'm not talking about the award, but of of those two players, who do you think is the team MVP? Not the season MVP, but is the team most valuable player? Who do you think? Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd say Goldschmidt. 
uh, not because of the numbers, but because of the way his teammates talk about him. So when you listen to interviews, I mean, even Arnado, the way Arnado talks about Goldschmidt, um, you know, everyone talks about how he sets a tone for the rest of the team. He leads, not just leads by example, but he, he does seem like more of a quiet leader. But, you know, things I've read and listened to, it's, he's vocal when he needs to be vocal. And people, you know, listen to him when he, when he speaks and he's not afraid to, to talk and, uh, and, and, and verbalize what needs to be verbalized. So I think the, just the way that he plays and uh, uh, the way he goes about it, uh, clearly players on that team, look up to him and look to him and see him as a, as a leader. And so I would say, yeah, for that, for those reasons, he seems like, it seems like that would be the team's vote of him. So it'd be hard for me to say, you know, they're around him every day. It'd be hard for me to pick someone right. else. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I think it was a recent interview, our sideline interview, Arenado did, where he said that the Goldschmidt was the MVP, no doubt, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To me, someone who's willing, this is, again, personal, is someone who's willing to say the other guy is more valuable, that guy himself is... Yeah. he He's also putting more value on himself by kind yeah. of pushing the, the honor onto someone else. Um, so and you yeah, see I mean, that. You see that with Goldschmidt. Every every time someone asks Goldschmidt about himself, he always defers to his teammates, and so I think you you see that very same thing in Goldschmidt, which is cool to have guys who are who are not. Uh, it's it's not wrong to receive compliment, obviously, and but uh, right. you see that you see their willingness to to defer and to deflect, and and I think they're both as good as they are and as good as their individual numbers are going to be, not just this year, but have been for their entire careers. They also seem to be like team first guys. They care way more about team success and want to talk more about team and teammates than they want to talk about themselves. So that's, that's refreshing. And I think it's, again, it's, I think that's part of the culture of the Cardinals, which is I think one of the reasons why they continue to be a successful organization is because there's something going on, you know, in the, in the depths of that organization that kind of, nurtures that and brings that out and cultivates kind of the, the team orientedness of, of players and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, a player who won't win even MVP this year. Um, I could I can make the argument. He might be the comeback player of the year, but Albert Pujols is now five home runs as we speak. I'm not sure when this will come up, but, as you speak, he's five home runs away from 700. The question is, what's a bigger deal in the in the long in the long view of history? Apple Pujols this year hitting 700, or Aaron Judge arguably being the first one to clear 61 home runs? with no allegations. Which one is a bigger deal in the landscape? Oh. 700 or 62-3? Man, what a what a question. Um, That's what we got here. We got questions and hopefully you're okay. You, you can't ask those hard questions like that. That's not, I want to say I want to say they're tied, they're equal. Um, gosh, I'm I'm going to go with uh, even as a Cardinals fan, I'll go with I'll go with Judge um, mm. simply because of of when those 
when those numbers were. Clearly, Pujols is doing this over the course of a career that has only been done a few other times. Like it takes right. sustainability, and that's that's impressive in its own right. But I think there's I think there would be something special about Judge as a Yankee hitting you know 61 or 62. Uh, I think it's been 61 years since Maris hit 61, and so uh, course, it's just, you can't you can't make that stuff up, right? Um, so and and just recognizing that when that number was broken, yeah, it was it was guys that were tied to uh, to steroids. So uh, you know, and I think it's the same thing about Pools though. Is like there's there's been no no tie for him either, which makes you know 20 plus years a pretty impressive thing. But uh, but I'll I'll go with Judge uh, and because he's a Yankee and trying to break the record of a Yankee. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, you know the I think it was. Two episodes ago, again, as we record, two episodes ago, my my brother made the argument that it would be the, that should be the actual record if he breaks it. And uh, Sosa, uh, McGuire, and Bonds should not be the record. Uh, I want to ask you that question because apparently I'm asking too many hard ones on there. Um <laughs> But I will say selfishly, I mean not selfishly, as a as a Cubs fan, Pujols just in his last at bat against the Cubs in his career, he had a home run, a pinch hit, two home, two run home run, and while I was like, of course in that game it was it was tied nothing nothing, and he comes up and hits a home run, of course he does that. <laughs> to me. Um, so on, and I'm not no slight to Aaron Judge when he sees a lot younger than Pools. Um, but the the character of Pools on and off the field, and the lack of allegations for this long of a career, and doing this at this age, and this can really come down to the wire. I w- it would mean more to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I know for the record books, it would mean a lot for a judge, judge to have a historic year. But 700, there's only, what, it's four guys in that, three guys before them? Yeah. Yeah, Bond. so 700, 700 yeah, would be uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I told you, you asked a hard question. You made me pick. So. Yeah. I mean, I, my... My opinion is I just I just want him to pass Erod. I don't care my <laughs> seven hundred. But um and again another reason. Another reason for that. Alright, so yeah. we talked about the younger players and we talked about the future and I made you pick a, one guy. I'm going to do that again. So way sure. way whoever whatever you want there. So you said the player with the most upside is if if he's healthy is O'Neill in left field, um, and Edmund at short. Now it's a shortstop. He won a Gold Glove a second. Now it's a shortstop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good enough. All right. So, of uh, either the current players or if you know the minor league players who will come up, who is. The cornerstone piece for the Cardinals for the next five, six years. Who do you think is going to be the reliable bat amongst these 
this young flood talent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think for the next five years, it's probably Arenado because he's still got uh, six uh, six or seven years left. Uh, I think they've got him signed through twenty twenty seven, maybe something like that. So uh, yeah, I think I think he may have an opt out because uh, he he's was got getting... one at the end of this year. And yeah, year. So, so he he said he said publicly he's not opting out. We'll we'll see. Uh, but oh. I, I would say. <laughs> Uh, I, I would say him, if the question is next five years, if you want to extend it to the next 10 years, then mm-hmm. I would say the Cardinals have a guy who's the number six rated prospect in the minor leagues right now uh, in, in MLB's top 100. Uh, they're, they're ranking named Jordan Walker. So he's at, he's at double A, but he's only 20 years old. I think he's, uh, you know, he's four or five years younger than the average age of most double A players. And right. if you look at his numbers, he's, already in the upper echelon of, of double A guys in terms of, of average and power. He can steal bases. Um, so the, the Cardinals have not had a prospect like him in a long time. So uh, he's, he seems really close. Like it, it, it would not be a surprise if he uh, starts 2023 on the big league roster. If he doesn't, it's probably coming in the middle of April when, you know, service time manipulations are, are passed and they can do that. So you mean, um, you mean two weeks after opening day? That's the, pretty much how it works. Whatever it is. Yeah. The, the Chris, the Chris Bryant rule, you know, whatever that is. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So sorry for that. Um, so I would no, say if, fine. if it goes beyond, <laughs> if it goes beyond five years, uh, I would say probably Jordan Walker. Uh, you never, you never know. Like, you know, guys have great minor league numbers and they come up and can't produce. But right. he seems like one of those guys that uh, he's at 20 years old. The the sky's the limit. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about him as a Cardinal fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't lie. I haven't heard of him. Also, I don't know many players outside of the players that I focus on in the yeah. minors. But um, yeah. but yeah, if you're, if you're listening or watching. Um, Jordan Walker, let's look out for If that name pops up later, just store the name in the back of your mind and then you'll know Kent's right. Yeah, All if right, you uh, so, if you play fantasy baseball and you're in a and you're in a keeper dynasty league, go ahead and go ahead and snatch him up. You'll you'll wanna you wanna keep him. So Do you play fantasy baseball? Yeah. Yeah. I I again, as a big baseball fan, I like it seems really difficult, but this is not a fantasy show, so I won't go into that again more. Um, but the actual question is, and we talked about this earlier about uh, about potentially me switching over and being a Cardinals fan. Again, I have no idea how <laughs> that could happen. But the question is, and this came up very early in our podcast, and they actually came up during the start of the war in Ukraine. I, again, I don't know how this question arose, but the question was, what would have to happen for you to stop, either stop temporarily or stop permanently following your favorite team? And that can mm. vary, and that can be like um, a international thing, or it could be national or, you know, uh, a moral situation or a legal situation or whatever it might be. But I, I pose the question because I want to see kind of what uh, would break the fandom. Because it matters. Mm-hmm. 
but what would be kind of a, a one thing or the genre of thing that would have to happen for you to walk away as a Cardinals fan? Again, either temporarily or long term. Yeah, that's a, another good question. Um, categorically, it would probably have to be something in the uh, in the realm of morality where I just felt like in good conscience, I couldn't support, you know, the organization. Now I say that knowing like, like it's, it's easy to forget that professional athletes are actual human beings. And like, we, we put them up on a pedestal, but like, you know, they're not perfect people. And so um, I'm sure, you know, from a, from a standpoint of like how they live their lives off the field, I'm probably not endorsing every decision uh, that that they make in the same way that other people might not endorse the things that, that I do. Right. So um, right. uh, trying try to trying to make sure we don't remove the human element of of kind of the, the heroes that we follow and the sports fans that as the sports fans that we are. But um, right. it, I would say probably from an like, from an organizational standpoint, if if something kind of came out that was just like despicable from a human rights standpoint or something like that, it would probably like move me away from kind of uh, from kind of support at least for a while to see how they respond. You know. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. certainly, I, I don't know that I'm the type of, I'm not that kind of hot and cold that I would say I'm done with this forever, never coming back to it. You know, I think, mm. uh, if, if there was, if there was something that kind of came out and they responded to it in an appropriate way, like I'm, I'm willing to kind of let that play out, to, you know, not that they would need my forgiveness or anything like that, but I'm, I'm willing right. to kind of say, like, Hey, respond well to the mistakes that you make and and i'm willing to give you another another shot but it would it would have to be something kind of i think in that in that kind of category of like uh of morality that was uh yeah that would just i would have a hard time stomaching or something like that but that apart from that like yeah i don't i don't know i feel like i can compartmentalize even though i i uh i would say i'm a pretty pretty avid fan uh like i i'm not like the Cardinals don't move me, you know, from a standpoint of like my well-being is is affected right. by their wins and losses. I don't like it when they lose, and I like it when they win. Uh, yeah. But like my life, my life's not going off kilter because of something that the Cardinals do. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, also that is spoken like uh, a, a fan of a team who wins more than they lose. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. There are days uh, where it's real hard. Maybe, maybe in maybe in a few years, the Cardinals tank for like seven or eight years, and we can have this conversation again. And and maybe I'm a uh, maybe I'm a, a a Braves fan or a Nationals fan or something. So I mean, I mean, again, in, in, all things being equal, come back to me in 108, and uh, we'll talk. Uh, but no, so I get that. No, I I I do get that. Uh, morality playing a factor for sure. Um, yeah. but. Kind of switching gears a little bit, but really just kind of forecasting for the future. I know the Cardinals are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, it'd be hard to, hard pressed to see if they lose this while leading the division. So I'm asking everyone to kind of forecast. And again, I'm not showing this air, so maybe before or maybe after the World Series. Um, but who is your 2022 World Series champion? Is it the Cardinals, or do you think it's going to be one of these other top 10, top 12 teams? Or maybe we're not – I'm not saying that team come up. Who do you think is going to be the champion at the end of the day? 
Yeah. Another great question. I, um, it's, it's hard to pick against the Dodgers. I mean, you look at what they've done in the regular season and it's like that it's, it's unbelievably impressive, but I feel like, I mean, I feel like there clearly are some weaknesses there that could be exposed in the postseason, like particularly the, the back end of the bullpen, you know, they, they struggled, you know, um, with that, like that becomes an even bigger deal in a short series that must win versus over the course of 162 games. So um, it's, it's hard to pick against them. I, and a sim- similarly, like, I really, I really like the Braves. I think the Braves top to bottom mm. are really impressive and, and, and are really good. Uh, but again, like back in the bullpen, like Kenley Jansen's, he's shown vulnerability and weakness. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think before the last couple of weeks, I might've said the Mets because you get short series with a healthy Scherzer and healthy DeGrom and Chris Bassett's been really good this year. And like, I don't yeah. care who you are. Like you have to face a healthy Scherzer and healthy DeGrom. Uh, and then Edwin Diaz, you know, and uh, has been lights out. Like that's a really yeah. tough combination because I feel like you know Scherzer could give you eight easily, and then it's like okay, good luck against Diaz. Um, so uh, if you, if you make me pick, um, I'm gonna say for that reason I'm gonna say Mets. Now I know Scherzer just went on the DL or the IL, mm. whatever it's called now. Uh, so I yeah. think I think Scherzer's Scherzer's out for a little bit. But if 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 Scherzer and Degrom are healthy. Uh, and and the and the Mets are are relatively healthy. I think the combination of I think they've got enough offense, and I think those two guys pitching, you know, uh, each of them, you're at least going to get them once in a series, if not twice in a seven game series. I just, I think that's hard to beat. So, and hard to beat is a uh, a light term for that. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, Mookie Betts just came out and said that Degrom may be the best pitcher ever. Um, so again, I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> maybe, maybe right now the talent and yeah. so the Mets is a very uh, not common, but is a trending pick. Um, but as you said, the Braves could do it. The Dodgers could actually before the year. I said that uh, the Yankees were overrated, and for a very <laughs> long time, they they were the best. And uh, they're like, since I think, as we again as we record, I feel like since the All Star break, they're like they have a three thirty three winning percentage or something. Yeah, so. I think they're below they're below five hundred. Yeah. Your your predictions looking looking better as the as as August and September roll along. So you just give it time and give yourself who, some credit. Who would have thought a Cubs fan could pick a loser? All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So kind of on that note, you did say something about the Dodgers in their bullpen again. As someone who came from the Cubs, but also Red Sox and Braves, was uh, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Craig. Craig Kimbrell. I was mess up. I say Crimble a lot. Kimbrell. Apparently, uh, again, as we record, six six appearances ago, he changed his walkout song to Did You Brother? His new walkout song is Let It Go, which I feel like Purple Gig wraps up exactly what we need to do with this episode is just let go and see what kind of comes from all our predictions and i'm making the pick 
one player too much, so I'll try not to do that anymore uh, with you. I will keep doing that, but with you, I'll stop. So why don't we uh, transition and end the episode. So Kent, thank you for coming on and uh, talking a little bit about Marlo Cardinals. I want to talk about that. So thank you for talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I think, this, uh, I think this has been really good. I think the, the world needs uh, the example of a Cardinals fan and a Cubs fan being able to engage one another in healthy ways. Uh, so maybe maybe we've started a revolution in how we've related to one another. So. Well, I mean, also it's it's uh, good acting, so we can, we can yeah. talk about either one, either revolutionary sure. acting, either one. It's one of the two, right? I'll yeah. take either one, right? Yeah, yeah. So no, thanks for so having again, me. I, I enjoyed chatting. Yeah. So so again, uh, thanks again for joining us. This has been a special episode of the Family Base Pod. My name is Jake, and we will see you guys next week. If you are watching, subscribe, hit the bell, all that garbage if you're listening follow uh if you want to in the bottom cor- i always mess it up the bottom corner corner is the uh, handles for instagram and tiktok you guys can go over there check out the content again thank you for joining kent and see you guys next wednesday